Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers here. Um, It's very interesting that this day falls on this particular Sunday and the readings that we get, uh, and, and it's a fun one, especially for me as a dad, because there's actually a lot of mention of fathers in our texts. Uh, did anybody see that? That um, we see that when it comes to faith, there's always an aspect of a familial tie that's there. That whenever we speak of someone who was, um, who was very... Uh, when we speak of someone who is very, um, who is very influential in our lives through the faith, we usually call them a father or a mother. In uh, we usually call them a father or a a mother in the faith, right? God is always told. God God wants us to call him. What? He wants us to call him his father. He wants us to call him our father, right? That all of us who are children of God can truly pray the Lord's Prayer knowing that our Father in heaven hears us and will grant us all that we need and what we ask for. So it's very interesting on this Father's Day uh, when we talk about dads and we see how the world treats dads and most of the time, at least in recent memory, at least from even when I was growing up, you don't see a whole lot of nice things said about fathers. And you watch TV and a lot of these uh, sitcoms, dad's kind of this, this big fool, right? He makes a fool of himself. He bumbles around. He hurts himself. He trips. He falls. He whatever, you know? And dads watch that. And of course, we can kind of laugh because we can take the joke. But ultimately, in this world, fathers are not really seen as something that's really all that beneficial. And sadly, when you look at our small catechism and you see the table of duties, you see this mention of to parents. But when you look at the text that it quotes from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says, fathers, not parents, fathers. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. But sadly, there are a lot of dads who are not the best examples. Um, I've had more than enough conversations with people when I talk to them about praying to God our Father, seeing him as a good father, and they'll say, but I didn't have a good dad. I didn't have a good dad, so how can I know what a good father is? But we know from Scripture what a good father is. And even if I wasn't a father myself, I would hope that even if I was single, Lord have mercy, I would be able to convey what a good father should do because Scripture is clear. We see from our text today what a father does, that a father brings up his children, whether they be his own or whether he adopts them 
whether he is a father in the faith, if not by blood, he brings up children in the knowledge of God. The chief duty of a father, and by extension parents as a whole, because the father is the head of the household, the chief duty of the father is to raise children in the faith, to raise good and God-fearing kids, so that one day they would not be a burden or a curse, but a blessing. And dads have a tough job because when you start to realize all the responsibilities you have, you realize how daunting of a task it really can be if you see it for what it is. But really it starts with one very simple thing. And we see that from the Old Testament text with Abraham. He is our father in the faith because when God told him a promise, he believed it. He had faith. The word of God delivered faith and trust that God would deliver on his promise. When he said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them, so shall your offspring be. And so he believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. That through faith, we are made righteous. Not by what we do, not by how many times we tell a bedtime story, dads. Not by how many times we hug and kiss our kids. Those are all good things. But faith, believing in the promises of God, is what delivers that righteousness of God. Trusting in the promise. Because Abraham did not see the promise fulfilled. He did not see the great nation that his children would become but he trusted God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Therefore, all who believe can call him our Father. Uh, we can call him our Father who, who has come before us in the faith. He sets the example. And it's very interesting that, well, we hear a lot about, well, it depends on who you're talking to. Some people talk about how They'll rail against things like the patriarchy, right? They'll say, they'll say things like, we're railing against the patriarchy, and yet God likes the patriarchy. God likes fathers. He wants fathers to take, to take the lead. He wants fathers to do their jobs. And he wants them to do so because there is a blessing tied in with that, that we see from our small catechism that quotes, uh, quotes the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus. And when we see at the end of the Ten Commandments, we see what does God say about all these commandments? He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. That with dads, the responsibility lies. That it's the sins of the fathers that will be met upon the children of those who hate him. But he shows love to a thousand generations, countless generations, to those who love God by faith and who keep his commandments by faith. Right? 
It all begins with faith. It all begins with trusting the word of God and what he has to say. Now, as a dad, I know I don't have as much experience as some of y'all do out there. You got kids that are older than me. But it is very interesting to see how sometimes kids act. (laughs) How they act, how they behave, and you think to yourself, oh, but they're just so cute and sweet and innocent and harmless, and then... Then you kind of see what happens behind closed doors sometimes, and they see that they're disobedient sometimes, but they don't really know what they're doing, right? And how many times are we like that? We don't really know what we're doing. We say no just because we want to. That in a lot of times, we are just like toddlers when we're told, no, this is good for you. And we say, no, I don't think so. That's not what I want to do, right? That... When it comes to our story from our gospel text from Luke 16, we see that playing out. And what the end of that determination of stubbornness can lead you. That in the end of the life of the rich man and Lazarus, you see that the rich man is in torment. He's in anguish and he's asking for help. Sadly, it's too late. It's too late. And so, when Abraham, who the rich man calls father, by the way, he sees him as the father in the faith, but obviously not in the right way because of where he winds up in torment, in hell. He says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham like a good dad, actually, says, child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. And Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here and you're in anguish. Besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house for I have five brothers so that He may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham, again, like a good father in the faith, says, They have have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. They have the word of God. And that's enough. And then, really I thought it was kind of interesting when I read this, kind of like a toddler, the man says, No, Father Abraham. No. No. That's not how this works. Obviously, the rich man knows how it works because, well, I guess he really doesn't because of where he is, right? That's the depth of the unbelief this man has. That in the face of the father of faith, the father father of the faith, the one who ultimately we follow his example in trusting God, he says no. He says, no, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Now that says that the word of God is powerful. It says that the word of God is what tells us we sh- all, all that we should know about our salvation. And for us dads who have to lead, 
for us dads who have to share the faith and raise kids in the faith, this is actually pretty comforting if you think about it. Because we don't have to do great things. We don't have to raise someone from the dead. All we have to do is give our kids the word. Give our kids the word of God that tells them that Jesus Christ has died for them. That Moses and the prophets proclaimed that Savior who was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that's enough. And we can do this many, many ways. But it all starts with trusting that God's word will do what it promises to do. It all starts with trusting that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will have that word do its work. That even in this broken world, raising kids is a scary thing. It's getting scarier and scarier the more that you think about it. You see all kinds of horrible things going on, um, all kinds of horrible things with all sorts of agendas. And what we don't want is for our kids to wind up like the rich man. We don't want them to chase after false gods. We want them to trust in the one true God. So for us dads, we should see this as encouragement. We should see it as a warning that if we are not diligent in raising our kids in the faith, then they may fall somewhere that's unspeakable. And if that's not enough to encourage us to, to get up and to do the work that needs to be done, I don't know what there is that can make us do it. Because in the end, with our children, we would love to see them not only in heaven, but in the, the resurrection when Christ comes back. That our children should be seen as gifts. Our children are blessings. And what we want for our children more than anything is that when they pass on to eternity, they will keep their God-given name that was placed on them in baptism along with the triune name of God. Because if you see what happens in this gospel text is that the only people that have names are Lazarus and Abraham, the ones who have faith, the ones who have been given the gift of faith by God's grace. The one who has lost his name is the, the man who put his full fear, love, and trust in his wealth. And forever he will be known as the rich man. His name is lost. He's gone. And all he's known as is the idol that he trusted in. So likewise, we must safeguard our children. So that in the end, they don't wind up like him in torment, known as the rich man, the clever man, the smart man, the whatever man. We want them to keep their names. I want my children to keep their names, Charlotte. I want, to, I want my son to keep his name, Henry. 
so that I may be able to call them by their names for all eternity and give thanks to God for all eternity. And again, it's a daunting prospect to raise your kids in the faith, but you're not alone. You're not alone. There are other men who have done it. There are other men who can support you if you need help. There are other men who will stand in the place also when dads don't do their jobs because dads aren't perfect. And a true man of God would know that. A true man of God would admit that he's a sinner and that he doesn't raise his kids by himself but only by the grace of God. So fathers... Since God is our Father by His grace, through the gift of faith, let us first act as His sons in desiring to be like Him by serving Him and by serving our, by serving our, and by serving our, our neighbor, that includes our children, by serving them, um, by serving them in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness gained for the sake of our for the sake of our brother, Christ, who has joined us to the family, who has made, made us co heirs with him, knowing that whatever we do, we only do it by the grace of God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.